Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. Hello, Freedom House, how y'all doing? Hello, Freedom House, how y'all doing? Well, thank you guys for coming this morning, man. I tell you what, that little beat they have there, it's a nice little beat. I like that beat. I like that beat. Also, I, mean, I want to welcome my online viewers here. This is that amazing. We had online for the 930 this morning, and now we have online for the 1115 service, too. Freedom House is growing. We got people from North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, Virginia, Florida, Illinois, Nevada, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, and India. We got people tuning in from all all over the place. And then, you know, that comes by way of Pastor Troy and Pastor Penny obeying the voice of God and coming to a place that he told them to come, and this is what we have now. We have a church that we can come to in this campus, South End, and now we're about to have one on Lake Norman. That's, that's, the, that's obedience. When you step out on obedience, God has a way of providing. Well, my name is Justin Griffith. I'm one of the volunteer leaders here at Freedom House. I volunteer with Strong Men's Ministry. Also, I'm a part of the teaching team. We have a teaching team at each campus. So when you come to church, you're not sitting watching a screen. You, you are watching a live person, a person with real problems, trying to find real solutions, trying to hear something from God. That's what you get when you come to Freedom House. And that's, what I, that's, one, that's one thing I like, man. We don't have to sit up here and watch the screen do this. And that come, like I said, Pastor Troy and Pastor Penny, they obeyed the voice of God. And I, my, Kim, are you here? Where's my lovely wife? Kim, are you here? Oh, there she is. There she is right there. Oh, I see Kim, Erica, and Tiana. I see Mia. I'm telling you, I see Mrs. Oh, we got the whole crew. I'm telling you. If you ever want to get your ministry tested, those three girls right there, when they get together, you know, sometimes while I'll be speaking this word, I'll say, man, am I affecting anybody? <laughs> My, but, but Kim, thank you for being here. I know she, she, I left her with all our boys. We have four boys, and our oldest is eight. So when, when she has to get everybody ready, I left out this morning. One was throwing clothes. Somebody was jumping off the bed. Somebody was running. It's a mess. It's a mess. But before I get started, I'm going to pray, okay? I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this awesome opportunity. Thank you for everything that you have done and what you're doing. I decrease that you increase in me, God. Whatever is trying to hinder this word, we right now, we plead the blood of Jesus over it. We add, well, Lord, we tell Satan to get back. This word will go forth. It shall not return void. We thank you for this awesome opportunity, God. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. Well, we, in a, we are in a series called Without a Doubt. And before I get started with this message, I got to tell you a story. So there's this lady, this other lady one time, oh, Pentecostal lady. She had come up on some hard times, some hard times. So this lady, she walked in the house and she walked over to a pantry and she saw some peanut butter. And she walked to her refrigerator, she saw some jelly. And she said to herself, I am going to trust God for a loaf of bread. 
So this lady started calling on the name of the Lord. Lord, please bless me with a loaf of bread. God, I claim this loaf of bread to come in my house. God, bless me with a loaf of bread so I can have this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She started calling on the name of the Lord, and this went on for hours and hours and hours. Well, she lived in a community where the homes are really close together. So this one guy who just happened to be an atheist heard this woman calling on the name of the Lord. Lord, please bless me, bless me, went on for hours. So this man got irritated with all this. And he heard this lady pleading the blood of Jesus for a loaf of bread. So what he did, this man went into his pantry, got a loaf of bread out of his pantry, walked out of his house, walked over to the lady's house, got on the top of this lady's house, took the loaf of bread, and dropped it down her chimney. <clears throat> dropped it down her chimney and he waited all of a sudden this woman is shouting lord thank you for a loaf of bread you blessed me with a loaf of bread jesus thank you i love you god you bless me i can have this peanut butter and jelly sandwich thank you so much god thank you i thank you in the name of jesus well this man went to this lady's house knocked at the door and he looked at it and he said, man, what's all this noise? What all this noise going on over here? This lady said, I had peanut butter and I had jelly. I didn't have a loaf of bread. So I started calling on the name of the Lord. And the Lord answered my prayers. He dropped the pit bread right down my chimney. The guy looked at her with this little smile. And he said, ma'am, God didn't give you that bread. I did. I took the bread out of my pantry. I walked over to your house. I climbed on top of your house. I took the bread and I dropped it down the chimney. Got quiet. The woman looked at him. She said, hallelujah. God blessed me with a loaf of bread and he used the devil to deliver it. <laughs> oh, man. That lady knew without a doubt that God was going to provide. <laughs> so we're in a series called Without a Doubt. And in this series, we want to challenge people to fight what the enemy is trying to bring to your body, your mind, and your spirit. In this series, we want to give your faith a spiritual workout. The word doubt means a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. I want to give you a few synonyms for this word. Uncertainty, hesitation, indecision, distrust, disbelief, confusion, question mark, and discomfort. After reading that list of synonyms, I believe that the enemy uses many different weapons to get us to doubt the character of God. We have to understand that God's character is not marked by indecision. God's character is not marked by uncertainty. God, God's character is not marked by confusion. As a matter of fact, God's character is total opposite of that. Where there is indecision, God would place a decision. Where there is distrust, God would place trust. Where there is disbelief, God would place belief. Where, is there, where there is uh, confusion, God would place clarity. And where there is a question mark, 
God would give an answer. God's character would always give a concrete answer. But I would be foolish to sit up and tell you that the enemy is not always looking for a way or a word to get you to doubt the character of God. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the verse tells us, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. I love how that verse started out. The verse did not start out telling you about the blessings of God. The verse did not start out telling you what the enemy could do to you. The verse started out with specific instructions. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Self-control. Do you have self-control? Are you looking the way God wants you to look? Can you hold on to the faith when everybody else is letting go? Are you the same person on Monday that we saw on Sunday? Can you resist what everybody else is giving into? In our society today, we use the word Christian so lightly. This person is a Christian and that person is a Christian. This person is a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. We use it so lightly. The word Christian means Christ-like. Are you looking the way Christ wants you to look? Do you walk the way Christ wants you to walk? Do you talk the way Christ wants you to talk? As a matter of fact, this is a big question. Does the devil know who you are? When you walk in a place of darkness, do you, do you bring light? Does hell get nervous when you start moving into certain territories that hell owns all the time? Does the, does the devil know who you are? As a matter of fact, he knew Job. He knew Job. If you go to Job chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, listen to what Satan said. He said, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him? And his household and everything he has. You have blessed the work of his hands, favor, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. This is Satan talking. To me, that's, that, this intrigued me because Satan knew a whole, about, a whole lot about one man. Satan knew about his hedge, the favor that he had. Satan knew about God blessing his hand. And also Satan knew about his herds and cattle, which is the wealth of this man, which tells me one thing. Satan does a scouting report. Satan writes a scouting report. I have a question. If I don't have a question, I messed up then. Let me get it right. <laughs> Satan does a scouting report. So one of my jobs as a as an NFL coach I had to produce a scouting report. This scouting report, we had to go and we had to fill it out, watch a whole lot of film to be able to give to the GM of the Oakland Raiders so he can make a decision on a player. So we have to watch this film, we will write the scouting report. We watch this film, we were writing the scouting report. As a, matter of, as a matter of fact, I was in charge of watching all the small schools doing this scouting report. So I have the scouting report up here. 
So this scouting report, oh, you know what? I didn't do this one, but somebody else did it. That's okay. So, so somebody wrote this scouting re report on a player from the Texans. So you can see all the stuff. You can see his height. You can see his weight, his arms, his hands. Oh, this wings, my, my goodness. He's 81 and 4. If you get too close to this boy, this boy will slap you now. He will slap you. He ran this. He was a smart kid. Then it goes about his athletic ability, playing speed, football intelligence, all that kind of stuff. But the most important part of this, his strengths and his weaknesses, what he brings to the team, what we have to do to get him uh, to be more productive. So his strengths, initial quickness, lateral slide, range. He, had, he can get to the second level. He was a smart player, backside ability, average hands used, motor, smart player, and all that good stuff. Then he had weaknesses. His upper body strength, he was a weak player. Gets high sometimes, two-point stance, not exposed to a bunch. Inside foot opens up at times, gets climbed on, inconsistent finisher, can't do it, can't finish. I love this one. He's tough, not nasty. I, don't, I still don't get it. He's a tough player, but he's not a nasty player. That's the scouting report that we wrote. But you know what? I believe the enemy, is right, enemy writes scouting reports about you and I. The question is, if he made a scouting report on you, what would it say? I believe the enemy's scouting report would sound something like this. Strengths. Get them to doubt easily. Not committed, don't like to worship, don't like to pray, don't like to show up to church on time, don't like to serve. Those are the strengths the enemy will give you. And then he will give you a weakness. The weakness is they don't have any, I have them already. That's Satan's scouting report about you and I. But God would not allow himself to be outdone. If Satan can write a scouting report, God can write a scouting report too. God's scouting report would say strengths with trust me when it doesn't look right. Would stay committed, loves to pray, loves to worship, loves to talk to God every day. Weaknesses, oh, sin is the weakness, but I took care of that when I went to the cross. That's right, you should praise God because God covered your behind when you were out there acting crazy. God covered your behind when you made that decision. God was there when everybody else walked away from you. God would all, his scout report would always give you the grade of being successful and, and being successful and not backing up. God would always be there for you. So that instruction said, be self-controlled. The second thing he said is be alert. Alert, on guard, Eyes open, head up. We have to sense seeds of doubt. You have to sense seeds of confusion. You have to sense seeds of disbelief. In my lifetime, in my lifetime, I've experienced these seeds coming in many different voices. Many different voices. In the book of Genesis chapter 3, there was a voice Adam and Eve had gotten specific instructions from God. They said, God told them, if you work this garden, you will be productive. If you work this garden, you will be blessed. If you work this garden, you're going to eat up any tree except the tree in the middle of the garden. 
They got all these promises from God, but a voice came. Here's Adam and Eve. The voice told them, did God really say? Check this out. Here's Adam and Eve. God gave them. He created them. Here are all the promises of God. But right in the middle of God telling them and the promises was a voice. This was the voice of Satan. God told them, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to get to it. But right in the middle was the voice of Satan. Jesus experienced another voice. I love when it's quiet because we're all learning when it's quiet. It's good. We have Bible study. This is Bible study Sunday right here. Jesus experienced the same voice. Jesus, the Bible tells us that he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible tells us that he was led up into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Here is Jesus. Here is Jesus. Jesus was sitting here, hungry at this time, and a voice came. The voice said, if you are the son of man. Another voice. It was Satan. Here's Jesus. God created him. Over here, Jesus is going to save the world from his sins. But right in the middle was the voice of Satan. We have to recognize the voice of Satan. We have to recognize when Satan is trying to get us off track. We have to recognize when Satan is trying to attack us. Here's Jesus. Here's the promise. And right in the middle was the voice of Satan. I'm going to tell you about another voice. This voice doesn't have anything to do with Satan. Moses, in the book of Exodus, God had called Moses. Moses saw a burning bush on the top of this mountain. And God said, Moses, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Well, guess what? Moses did it. And guess what happened? The people came out of slavery. But in the midst of Moses taking them to the promised land, the people started complaining. They started talking about Moses has led us out here for us to die. So here is Moses. Moses got instructions from God. Here is the promised land. But right in the middle were the voice of people. You got the voice of Satan, and now you have the voice of people. You get your instructions from God, and here is the promised land. And Moses had to overcome the voice of people. They were talking about, we should have stayed in Egypt. Well, what, what, what makes sense for you to sit up and be in slavery when you can be set free? What kind of sense is that? So Moses ignored the voice, voice of people and, and completed what God had called him to do. Also, Peter experienced a voice from a person. Peter was called from his old fishing business. And here he is. He's in the midst of a crowd. Jesus had been captured by this time. Peter was in the midst of a crowd. And there a crusting came up. He said, Peter... Aren't you one of the disciples? And Peter said, no. Here is Peter. God called him. Peter, you are the rock. You are going to preach in the upper room when the fire falls from, he falls from heaven. And right in the middle was a voice 
of a person. Peter had to, Peter fell to the voice of a person. The Bible tells us he said no one time. And then he said no a second time. By the third time Peter converted to who he was, this man started cussing folks out. I told you, I am not one of those beep, 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 beep people. That's what he said. Peter, I created you for this. This is what I want you to do. And right in the middle was the voice of a person. So you have the voice of Satan. You have the voice of people. And I'm going to tell you about this last voice. It's not of Satan and it's not of people. This is the voice of self. You can talk yourself out of stuff. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 19 through 13. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abinah and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the rivers of Israel? Could not I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in, a, in rage. Naaman's servant went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? Let's look at Naaman's journey. Let's look at Naaman's journey. If you go to, to 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 11, 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 11, I'm going to speed you up to, to this point right here. There was a centurion leader. This man was great. He had a great reputation. This man had all the things going for him. When he went to battle, God was there. When, when God told him to do something, God was there. When the kings told him to do something, God was there. But Naaman had a problem. Naaman had leprosy. Isn't it funny how everything can look good on the outside, but you still have problems on the inside? The, the marriage looks so good on the outside, but the marriage can be so corrupt on the inside. The house can look so good on the outside, but the house can be so corrupt on the inside. Well, Naaman had a problem where he had all the things on his resume, but Naaman had a problem. He had leprosy. And the only place he can get this healed was to do exactly what the prophet told him to do. So verse 5, verse chapter, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11 says, But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over my spot and cure me of leprosy. The first way you get over yourself is to get on God's thought pattern. You have to line up the way God wants you to think. That, that's why it's so important for you to pray. That's so why it's important for you to fast. 
because you understand what God is trying to tell you to do. It's going to be hard for you to get on God's thought pattern if you're not reading. It's, not, it's going to be hard for you to get on God's thought pattern if you're not praying. It's going to be hard for you to get on God's thought pattern if you're not fasting, if you're not serving. That's how you understand where God wants you to be. I had this opportunity one time to invest in a uh, different franchise other than the one that I have right now. So I researched this franchise. I went out to California to see this franchise. I was all in love with this franchise, getting everything, going to see different locations, doing this and doing that, getting ready to have this franchise to move this thing all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, while I was praying about this franchise, I kept hearing God say, no, I don't want this. No, it wouldn't sit, it wouldn't sit in my spirit the way the one I have right now. I said, it wouldn't sit in there. So I kept praying, kept praying. You know, sometimes you always, when God tells you no, sometimes you try to push God for a yes answer. I want to know this guy. All right, God, can I get a yes answer? Can I get it? And, and God never said yes. He said no. And I said, well, God, if you don't want me to do this, send somebody to tell me that then. <laughs> if you don't want me to invest in this franchise, Send somebody to tell me that. Well, lo and behold, he sent Kimberly Griffith into my office. And the first thing Kim said, Justin, don't you invest in this franchise? I listened. A year later, I inquired about that franchise. They were already bankrupt. Already. I want, what would have happened if I would have gave them all that money to have the franchise? They went bankrupt. They were already gone. Thank God that his thoughts are different than our thoughts. That's what the word tells us. His thoughts are different than our thoughts. And thank God for Kim. I'm saying no. His thoughts. Get on God's thought pattern. Uh-oh. Get on God's thought pattern. The next thing, if you go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 12, he said, are not Abinah and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers of Israel? Cannot I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. Abinah and Farpar, these rivers flow from the snow-covered mountains of Amanus, Amanus Mountain. The water was clear when it flowed down. You can see the bottom of the rivers. It was nice, crystal. Everybody knew about these rivers. Everybody knew about these rivers, but the instructions were not to dip in those rivers. The instructions were to step off in the Jordan River. I can understand, man. Sometimes you don't want to step in stuff that you can't see. But here it is. Here it is. Abinai and Farpar, everybody knew about it. The word Farpar, the Farpar, translates into the identity of uncertainty. Uncertainty. That's what it means. The river of Farpar is uncertainty. God would never tell you to step off in something that's uncertain. He's going to always tell you to step off in something where his blessings are, where his healing will be, where the doors will open for you. God would tell you to step off in that. So here he is. He stepped off. He, he, he stepped away from that. The Bible said he went away angry. 
And I can understand why, because I'm from Mississippi. And for being from Mississippi, you know about the Mississippi River. I don't want to step off in the river. The one thing that I know about the Mississippi River is, is wide and it's murky. It's wide, it's murky. Not only that, I see a whole bunch of trees floating around in it. And I've heard of stories about fish larger than men swimming down in there. So I'm not going to step off in something that I can't see the bottom of. That's a rule that I live by. That's a rule that I live by. But the thing about the river, it was murky. God didn't tell him to step off in the clear, clear one. God told him to step off in the murky one. Everybody knew about the clear one. That's what Naaman wanted. God told him to go to a secluded place and step off in the murky one. Anytime God gets ready to transition you, when he gets ready to transition you, He's not going to give you public victories. You have to win God's loyalty and private victories. That's how God deals with his people. So he's not going to tell you to do some, give you public victories unless you start obeying him privately. He didn't want, he didn't want Ab and I. God doesn't want that for you. For his ways are different than your ways. He didn't want far apart. God wanted the Jordan. He didn't want those. Well, here he is. Here he is. The Bible tells us that Naaman got upset when he was told to dip in the Jordan River. And the Bible says he went away. How many times have you walked away from what God told you to do? went in a totally different direction than what God told you to do. Did you, have you, I'm, I, I got to watch when I say this. Did you marry somebody that God told you not to marry? Did you invest in something that God told you not to invest in? Did you say something that God told you not to say? That's why when he tells you to do something, it's in your best interest to do it the way he wants you to do it. But God, thank God for people who would come after you when you have made a mistake. The Bible tells us that Naaman's servant went after him and challenged him. He said, Naaman, if he would have told you to do something great, you would have done it. And the Bible said that got his attention. See, at Freedom House, we call that something at Freedom House. We call those life groups. We call that people that will stand up and challenge you to do what God wants you to do. So here he is. The Bible says he turned, he turned, and he went back. And now he started dipping. Naaman stepped off in the Jordan River. It was murky. He couldn't see it. But every time, every time God gets ready to test your faith, he's going to make you step off in something that's a little murky. He's going, to make you, he's going to make you step off in a situation that, that you can't see. He's going to make you do those things. So here's Naaman. Here he is. He dipped. And the Bible said he plunged himself in the river. That's a good thing. He plunged himself. That means he got all the way in. So when God tells you to do something, you can't be on this side and that side. You can't be halfway in. You have to be all the way in this thing. So the Bible tells us that 
He did one time. I can see Naaman right now. This is stupid. This is crazy. I can hear him. I can hear him. I know I can hear him. He dipped again, and leprosy is still there. I can see him again. He dipped one more time. He still, the leprosy is still there. All of a sudden, I bet Naaman said, I feel stupid. I can see myself right now dipping, and if I don't have it on the first or second dip, I'll pretend like I'm swimming. I pretend like I'm swimming, half my head out, looking around and all that kind of stuff. But Naaman didn't do that. Naaman said, I'm in this bad boy now. I might well just keep dipping. I might well just keep dipping. Here I am dipping. There was a story about a Canaanite woman in the Bible. The Bible tells us that she walked up to Jesus and fell at his feet. This woman shouldn't be even in the, nowhere near Jesus. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was kind of rude to this lady. He said, I've come not but to the sheep, the lost sheep of Israel. And this woman's still praising him. She said, my daughter needs healing. I have to fall at your feet. And Jesus said, I can't take the bread and cast it to the dogs. What this lady said next enabled her to get a blessing. This lady said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And this, at that time, Jesus said, lady, because you were persistent, I'm going to give you that healing. So here he is. She kept on dipping. Now Naaman is dipping. Sometimes you have to dip. <laughs> Sometimes you have to keep dipping when you don't see the blessing happening right away. You just got to keep dipping. You just got to keep going. You got to keep going. And all of a sudden, your faith starts dipping for you. So when you dip this time, your faith starts saying, I'm going to call those things that be not as though they were. Now you're dipping. What Kim, what Kim say? Dip, baby, dip. That's what you say. Dip, baby, dip. I'm going to call those things that be not as though they were. You keep dipping. You keep dipping. If I meditate on this word day and night and do exactly what it tells me, then I'm going to find my way prosperous and I'm going to have good success. You keep dipping. You keep doing what God told you to do. That's how you get healed. All of a sudden, Naaman got the number six, and he got the number seven. And the Bible tells us when he came out of that water, he was cured of leprosy. Not only that, the Bible tells us that his skin was that of a young boy. When you do it the way God wants you to do it, He'll give you something that you have never seen before. You have to keep dipping. You have to keep dipping. There's one key ingredient to this whole thing, and I almost missed it. One key ingredient. One key ingredient. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Obedience. I know you wanted me to tell you, I give you three ways to make your hair stand up and shout and do the Holy Ghost. I know you want me to tell you something like that. But obedience is the key. It's the key to it. You have to do it the way God wants you to do it. God told Naaman seven times. But I've read another, in another verse, this seven number came up again. Randy, it came up when the prophet Elijah there was a big drought in the land, and it came up. It said, messenger, I want you to go look at the sky. 
I prayed to God to water this land. So guess how many times that the messenger had to go back? Seven times. He went, he came back to Elijah. I don't see anything. Elijah said, go again. This man went again. On the seventh time, guess what he said? I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. I heard the number seven again. Joshua got specific instructions. The wall of Jericho, he said, on the last day, I want you to march around that wall seven times. I can imagine Joshua and that whole crew. One time, man, this wall, are you kidding me? This wall is still standing. Two times, three times, four times. On the seventh time, the Bible tells us the walls came tumbling down. And here it is, Naaman. God said, you do it seven times. You dip in this, this uh, Jordan River seven times. One time. Leprosy's still there. Two times. On the seventh time, he was cured of his leprosy. See, I don't know how dry your situation might be. I don't care how wide your situation might be. I don't care how far you have to go down. If God tells you to do it, if you do it, he's always going to give you the victory. Stand to your feet. I'm about lost my voice up here. God, I thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this word. Whoever you are in this place, whoever you are in this place, I'm telling you one act of obedience will bless the socks off of you. One act of obedience. Here's God. Naaman got his blessing. He got his. He got his blessing. Joshua, the walls came tumbling him down. He saw, the, he saw God perform a mighty work in his life. And guess what? God wants to perform that same work in you and I. But it takes obedience. I know it's old-fashioned. I know it's out of style. But obedience gets you where he wants you to be. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, God brought you here for a reason on this day. He wants to be ahead of your life. But it takes obedience. It takes obedience. If you know God brought you here and you know he's tugging at your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. If you want God to be the head of your life, I'm asking you to throw that hand up right where you are. I see it. I see those hands I see it. Even online, there's a hand on your computer screen. Click that, that hand, and someone will start praying for you. Thank you for those hands. I'm going to pray for us right now. Dear Lord, I thank you for this awesome opportunity that you've given us. Thank you for allowing us to be in this place. We love you. We praise you. We glorify you. Now, God, for those who raise their hands for you to come into their lives, do a new work, God. We're asking you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing, God. Make them brand new, God. We thank you for allowing us uh, to be here. God, we ask you right now to take their sins and, and vanish it away, God, like your word tells us. We thank you for this day. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.